You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. It's good to be together. Amen. And good to be in the house of the Lord. Even if it has been go on the wall. It's all good. So, so good to see everybody. It's a, uh, a few years ago um, that uh, Bob and John went on a trip with a, uh, with a new hunting dog. Uh, true story. And Bob was the dog's owner. And uh, he said, John, you know, you want to see something strange? Watch this. Um, and he, he shoots a duck and falls in the water. And he goes, fetch, boy. And the dog runs. And it runs on top of the water to get the duck and comes back. And John doesn't say anything. Bob shoots another duck, and the dog runs out right on top of the water, comes back. Third time, Bob finally looks at John and goes, John, I mean, you're not saying anything here. Like, I mean, didn't it look a little unusual to you? And he goes, you notice anything unusual? He goes, yeah, I see something pretty unusual. Your dog can't swim. (laughs) Come on. Come on. You know that's a good one. Missing the point is one of comedy's like oldest tricks, right? It's like one of the, it's like just, it's awesome. It resembles a classic story about Sherlock Holmes and, uh, and Dr. Watson, perhaps one of the best stories ever told. Um, you know, Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Watson are out. Uh, they go camping and they pitch their tent under the stars and they go to sleep. In the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up Watson and he says, Watson, Look up at the stars and tell me what you deduce. And Watson looks up and goes, well, I can see that there are lots of stars, probably millions. And the likelihood is that if that even one of those could be a planet like ours, that there are, there could be possible, possible planets like Earth out there somewhere. There could be life like on Earth out there. So I, I, that's what I'm thinking. And Holmes says, Watson, you fool, somebody stole our tent. Come on, come on, it's a good one, right? Never see it coming, it's the obvious, right? Sometimes we miss the obvious. I told this story um, a few years ago. This is a picture of my college dorm right there in all its glory. Anybody recognize that? Anybody recognize that? Let's see, Vic and Caitlin, you probably recognize that, right? Come on, no, it's a beautiful, yeah, really, that, it, was an, it was a military hospital. with the former Valley Forge Military Hospital. And there was a, I told this story where I once, so some of you may have heard this, and I apologize if I retell it, but I've been here a long time. It's a lot of preaching, you know, I, I got to recycle some of them. But I lived up there on the top floor. Uh, when we went there, it was a really, really, it was building four. They got really, really bold with the names. That was building four, and next to it was building five, and it's just, that was it. So we were four, and the second floor, so four up, four up. Instead of four down, no, four up. Yeah, big, big, big difference. So my car uh, parked in this, where that picture's being taken from is a parking lot. And so my car was in, you was parked there, and I, I had a job. And it was one winter, I drove, anybody, you know, your first car was like, uh, you know, not maybe the nicest car. My first car was my grandmother's baby blue Toyota, 1988 Toyota Camry, right? Called it the Yoda. Had a don't mess with Texas bumper sticker on it, right? That was like, like I had fuzzy, I had, I had, Black and white fuzzy dice hanging from my win- rearview mirror. Like it was, 
It was, it was, we called it a hoopty back then. It was great. Kevin had a nice car. I did not. It was a, but it, but it worked. Got me around. But one day I went out to go to work because uh, I worked, at, I don't know, the King of Prussia Mall. And I get in my car. I go to turn my car on and my car won't start. Wintertime. Oh, man. Right. So like, I don't know what to do. Try, won't, won't start. It was, it was very frustrating. I had to call out of work for that day. I had to get some tools from somebody because you don't have tools at college. Get my battery out of my car. Finally take it somewhere. Test it. They're like, your battery's fine. I'm like, oh, all right, a bigger problem with the car then. I don't know what the issue is. So I put the battery back in the car. And no joke, for three weeks, I did not drive the car. I just left it there. I just left the car there, didn't drive. I, I had to get rides to work and stuff. It was a huge inconvenience. And one day, I went in the car to kind of get some stuff out of it. Cause, you know, as college kids, you leave some stuff there. And I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and I'm looking around, and I go, hmm, hmm, my car's in drive. And I put it in park and start right up. Three weeks. Three weeks. There's actually a scientific name for missing the point. Uh, they call it an inattentional blindness. I'm not the only one. I know you've probably got stories yourself, so don't judge me. Um, it's the failure to notice what is fully visible. Inattentional blindness, often because it's unexpected. I didn't think to look at, you know how many times now when, my, when I've just gotten, I always check? I mean, now it's been 20 years. I just keep checking. I keep checking to make sure my car's in park all the time. It's just because three weeks, I didn't drive this stinking car. Oh, Typically, if you've ever, you ever seen the video of like people like throwing a basketball and they're like trying to count how many times they bounce the basketball, what you don't notice is there's a gorilla walking through the whole thing. You've seen that, like it came out many years ago. If I ruined it for you, I'm sorry. It's an old video, been around for a long time. But typically what happens with this is that you, you notice something, you don't notice something because you're looking for something else. Your attention is on something else, but things that are right in front of you, you miss. And though it can be played for some pretty good comedy, which I mean, I can appreciate a good joke, there can be a high price to pay sometimes for missing what's right in front of you. It can actually be kind of costly. Um, it looks like uh, parents at a little league field forgetting that this is about kids having fun playing a game Maybe learning some teamwork, you know, learning what it looks like to interact with other people. And instead, this becomes the defining moment of their children's entire life, right? Because every single pitch is going to equate to college and their future career, you know, and as well, all the other parents are judging that parent based on how well their kid does. And so Little League isn't just about, oh, snow cones and, you know, hot dogs and cheering on your kids. No, this becomes life or death. Nobody's ever experienced that, right? Because yeah, we haven't missed the point with that at all. Um, and John's on the board for Little League. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've, you've seen that out there. Uh, it looks like politicians may be using their resources to stay in office rather than serve the people. Missing the point. It's not the point of what you're elected to do. It can look like a business person, a businesswoman, so consumed with career that she forgets to make the most of her life along the way. We lose track of what matters. It can be costly to miss the point. And here's, here's the switch, right? What's true in all of these arenas in life is also true when it comes to faith. It can cost us if we miss the point. There have been many who have suffered inattentional blindness when it comes to faith because they were looking for something else. 
It was uh, the Welsh writer Alan Rain, who was actually, she was a female, she took that pseudonym because people wouldn't have read her writings otherwise. And she said this, and you've probably heard this quote, you may get to the very top of the ladder and then find that it was leaning against the wrong wall. It's costly if we miss the point, if we don't understand what matters. Missing the point of faith or even perhaps Maybe you haven't, aren't the one that's missed the point of faith, but perhaps you encountered somebody who missed the point of faith. Anybody ever do that? You encounter somebody who they think that they know what faith is all about, and I think they're missing the point. That can shipwreck our faith. We're talking, going through a series called Shipwrecked, about when our faith, which should be the, the thing that carries us through to the treasure of life, that gets us out into the open waters of life, that carries us from where we are to where we feel like God has called us to be to this rich life that God has for us. Faith is the vehicle we get there, and sometimes our faith has got holes in the boat, and we're sinking, and, and sometimes it's because of things we've done, and sometimes it's because of things that have been done to us. Sometimes we miss the point of faith, and sometimes other people have missed the point of faith, and it's affected our faith. Jesus actually told a story about this explicitly. It's Matthew chapter 15. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to read it to you because it's a lot to, uh, to there. So if you want to follow along, you can uh, on your phone if you'd like to. But it, uh, some Pharisees who were uh, religious leaders and teachers of religious law had arrived in Jerusalem to see G Jesus. So there's these guys that show up in the city. They want to see Jesus. And they ask him this question, why do your disciples, why do your followers disobey our age-old tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat? This was their big question. They travel to this city because they want to ask Jesus, why don't your followers wash their hands before they eat? I mean, this is life and death stuff. You can see this, right? Especially in a COVID world, like wash your hands, right? Happy birthday, too, right? We do this, you got to wash your hands. How many of you have sanitizer on you right now, right? We're surrounded by it. It's everywhere. This is huge. And Jesus replies to them, this is so good, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Hmm? 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 How would you got an answer for that? For instance, Jesus says, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death says, but you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say that you don't need to honor your parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. And he goes, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. They're missing the point. And he says this. He called the crowd to come and hear. And he goes, hey, everybody, come here. Listen in. Listen in. You see what just happened? He goes, listen in. We're going we're gonna to have a teaching moment here, everybody. Gather around. Here we go. Ready? Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. Just because something is growing, just because it looks like something's happening, doesn't mean that's God. And he says this. Actually, ignore them. It says you need to ignore them because they are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, you know what happens, Jesus says? They both fall in the ditch. Many of the religious leaders of Jesus' time had missed the point of faith. 
they'd missed it. And Jesus isn't, he's not trying to slander um, those who can't see. He's rather emphasizing the importance of making sure that who you're following is trustworthy. Do you know who you're following? There's a passage in, a, in Paul's letter to his young friend Timothy. It's really valuable in helping us understand why our faith gets shipwrecked, how to avoid it, and if we haven't, if we're already there, how to rebuild it. And here's what Paul says based on this. He says, the purpose of my instruction, the purpose of my instruction, and purpose there being the goal, the end, right? The destination, the point of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. And he continues, but some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. And he says this, they want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. That's how, that's how Paul said it, just like that. That's what it says in the Greek. Even though they speak so confidently. It's really helpful to understand this in context here. Like, what is he actually talking about? These are people trying to teach other people about faith. They're trying to be like, hey, I, I figured it out. Let me, let me inform you. Let me educate you. Let me tell you how it is. You should listen to me. They're like internet experts, right? You give somebody a platform. You give them a blog. They're going to tell you that, hey, I know. I've done the research. I've done the work. Listen to me. I've figured this out. And they're not qualified. See, these teachers are trying to tell people. At, at this time, they're specifically addressing that Jesus taught about grace, that, God, that God's got grace for you and there's forgiveness, right? And that the Savior was coming. But they were trying to tell people that, yes, grace is here, but you still need to follow every single law. They called it Judaizers or Judaizing. It's this, this phrase that I'm going to try and impose the law on people who had already received grace. And the, the salvation is saying, yeah, Jesus is great and all, but you need all this law too. And Paul's saying they're, they're just... They're wrong. They're missing the whole point of Jesus. They're missing all of this stuff. They're saying you should only eat certain things and you need to wash your hands and you need to do all the sacrifices. You need to do all these customs. And they were making up customs and they were adding all this stuff onto people. So there's people coming to faith being like, hey, what's this Jesus about? Let me tell you about Jesus. And then all of a sudden they're adding on all this stuff and people are going, man, I can't keep up. I can't, I can't do all that. I'm not good enough. It's just a heavy burden to do all of these laws. And these teachers are they're saying, hey, no, you need, I, I, I'm the authority on this. Let me tell you how it is. And Paul's saying, they don't know what they're talking about. Biblical scholar Homer Kent said this, men often yell loudest about what they know least. <laughs> I'll never forget how T.F. Zimmerman said it because my dad wrote it in the cover of his Bible, and I love this. He says, it's hard to make up in thunder what you lack in lightning. Oh, come on, that's good. Yeah, you could tweet that one. Here's my, here's my simplified version of it, right? Just because you're loud doesn't make you right. Just because you're loud doesn't make you right. People can be confidently wrong about the point of faith. People can be confidently wrong about the purpose of faith. People can spend lots of time talking about things that don't matter Paul says, all that talk sometimes, it's meaningless. Meaningless. 
Some people have been bold and loud about what faith is, and they are wrong. And it does genuine damage to other people who are trying sincerely to seek for God. Missing the point of faith is a guaranteed shipwreck. You miss the point, guaranteed going to shipwreck, and you're probably taking others down with you. That's what's going to happen. It's inevitable. Not only had these so-called teachers missed the point, they, didn't even, they, they, they never even knew that the point. It wasn't like they, they, they disregarded it. They never even saw it in the first place. Paul couldn't be more clear here. The goal, and I'm, don't worry, the goal was never doctrinal correctness, but it was love. The point is not to believe the right things above all else. The point is to love well. It says, that's the purpose. The purpose of my instruction is love. Some of you have experienced pain from those who have attacked you with religion, with having to believe the right things. You have to believe this way, do these things, and it may have turned you off to faith. It may have put holes in your boat. And I just want you to hear this. However well-meaning those people may have been or you believe them to have been, <laughs> they were not loving toward you. If they attacked you with law, with doing these things, without the loving spirit, they missed the point. And it's important to clarify here, love doesn't always feel good. <laughs> um, sometimes, as the great philosophers um, Nazareth wrote, love hurts. And love scars, and love wounds, and love marks. The truth can be hard to hear. That doesn't mean it's not loving. Let's clarify that, right? But there are certainly those who hold being right higher than being loving. We've encountered those people, and it does damage. They're often found within church contexts. That's where the Pharisees were coming from. Often those inside the church are the ones missing the point of faith. And perhaps, perhaps it's you. Maybe you have been more concerned with believing right than with loving well. And I want to speak directly to you just for a moment, as lovingly as I can as a pastor, but let me just say, if when I said it's more important to love well than to believe right, if you cringed, <laughs> if you flinched in there, because um, you, you, you probably feel that opens a door then for anything, to be true. And if that's you, I understand your concerns. We're going to address that in just a moment. You may feel that emphasizing love over doctrine will inevitably lead us away from truth into a religion of feelings. I understand that. That's not what Paul is saying at all, and that's not what I'm suggesting. But pay attention to your heart. If your first instinct when you hear love over doctrine is, yeah, but... Yeah, but I'm just going to warn you as a pastor, just be cautious that you may be leaning towards missing the point. Just be cautious. If your first instinct is to guard being right over being loving, just be cautious. Now, with that said, in no way does Paul minimize the importance of teaching and good theology and doctrine. Okay. What Paul is saying is that the goal of his teaching was never to simply discover what is right but to make us people who are right in how we respond to others. Paul is actually making a case for more teaching, for good doctrine, for ensuring that we are understanding the right things. He's saying it's critical that you're listening to the right teachers. 
right? He's not saying less doctrine and more love. He's just saying that the point of all doctrine, the point of all this teaching should always be love, not just getting it right. For teaching that fills us with love, that love and teaching go hand in hand. Romans 13.10 says, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, if you love well, right, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others, then you will be fulfilling the entirety of the law. Love is the law. They're inseparable, right? That you cannot put one from the other. But if all of our learning, if all of our travels of faith have not made us more loving, we're missing the point. If in all of our understanding and if all of our knowledge and all of this stuff that we are gleaning, if we're not being more loving, we're missing the point. Knowledge without love. 1 Corinthians 13, if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Conversely, love without knowledge can't be love. You can't, like, we might think we're loving people, but if we are misguided, we're not loving people. And our, it's, it's funny because in our society, some of the people who are the loudest champions of love are some of the least loving people. Right? They're angry about love. <laughs> so what? So what? What do we do with this? How do we ensure that we are full of love and knowledge? How do we manage to marry them both? How do we make sure that we are growing and listening to the right teachers, that we're not listening to people that are missing the point? How do we get to that place where we know, okay, this is good teaching, and simultaneously, I am being loving. I am growing in my ability to love others. I don't want to be deficient in either and Paul tells us practically, says, here's what you do. You go to love school. Right? Go to love school. You may want to go there, right? Love University. There you go. He says, love comes from three key parts of our being. And he breaks it down. He says, it comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and a genuine faith. It's a three-legged stool. You, three classes. You have to have them all. You can't avoid any single one of them. They all need to be present. A pure heart. This is your motive. It comes inside. Nobody else will know this but you. Is your intention pure? Are you doing this? Are you doing what you're doing for others out of selfish ambition? Or are you doing it for them? Is your heart pure? Are your motives pure? Are you motivated by what will be easiest for you? By what will gain you the most approval with others? Or are you doing this because it's truly coming from a heart of love? Is your heart pure? First check, first school, heart school. Second one, conscience. We talked about this last week. A clear conscience. God has given you the ability to discern what is right and wrong. You know. He has planted it deep inside. It's a gift. God has given us the magic compass, right? Doesn't point geographically north, but it points true north. It lets us know what is right and wrong. Here's the question, right? Are you violating your conscience? Are you doing what you know is wrong? Are you ignoring it, pretending like you can't tell? Are you ignoring that gut inside you that goes, I know. There's this check inside of me, and I am disregarding it. 
Pure heart, is your motive right? Clear conscience, mind, do you understand and know what you're doing? Are you being a person who has a clear conscience? That's the second. And then third, genuine faith. Here we go, ready? Does the word of God agree? It's one thing for you to think it, something else for you to feel it. But here becomes, the, this is the best part. How do we know I'm being loving and in the truth? God says, hey, I gave you a good textbook. I'll give you a book. You can study it. Am I trusting God to be the authority in my life? Or is it just about my thoughts and feelings? Because if you separate genuine faith and just have pure heart and clear conscience, you can still be incredibly misguided. You can have those two things fully. You can have a pure motive. You can definitely be focused on others. You can have a clear conscience, and you can still be terribly wrong. We must have a genuine faith. We must say, God, I'm putting you on the throne. You have authority. Your word has authority in my life. I do not put myself above you, but I w faith is trusting what we can't see. God, I trust that your word is true. That it's not my understanding that takes priority, but it is yours. I submit to your authority. Listen, you go to that school, you got the best professor. <laughs> Give us a great textbook, right? And you can apply yourself to learning. Reading the Bible is not just for intellectuals. It's for every one of us. They say Virginia is for lovers. So is the Bible. You want to be a loving person? You got to read it. You can't be a loving person without it. You can't love just because you have a pure heart and a clear conscience. You have to, you have to be submitted to the word for that genuine faith to be part of your story. You want to be more loving? God will teach you how. We don't magically get more loving because we want to be. I can't will myself to be more loving. I need the authority of the word of God to speak into my life and point out those places that I'm not being loving because odds are at some level we're all trying to be loving as best we know how. But the word of God says it's sharper than any two-edged double two-edged sword, right, that it divides between joint and marrow, that the word of God pierces us and says, hey, you think you're good over here? Let me tell you, I'm going to put my finger right on it. You need to grow in this area. You need to be more loving here. You need to be more loving with that person. You need to be more loving over here. And I give God the authority to speak into me, and then I can be grown. The point of that is not to make me feel bad. The point of that is to make me more loving. Paul is making a case for this. You want to be more loving, go to the one who is love. The best teacher is the one who is love himself. The purpose of our instruction is not for our head, but it's for our heart. We need that daily investment of time with the word of God. It's how we develop genuine faith. Paul goes on to say this in his letter to, second letter to Timothy. He says, all scripture, all of it, the whole Bible, everything in there is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach you what is true, make you realize what is wrong. It corrects you when you're wrong. It teaches you to do what's right. I love this. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The greatest work of your life is to love. You will do no greater work than to love God and to love others. If you hear nothing else, hear this. <laughs> the point. The point of growing in faith is to fill up with love and a love that comes from a clear conscience, a pure heart, and a genuine faith.
when all three are present, love is there when you, you can't avoid it. If you have all those three, you will be loving. You can't not. So here's the question for us. Has your journey of faith made you more loving? If not, perhaps we're missing the point. Or perhaps you're struggling with faith today and you feel like your faith has been shipwrecked because maybe other people have missed the point. Can I encourage you? Don't give up on faith. And here's why. We need you. (laughs) There are enough unloving people in this world and it makes life so painful. You can't become the loving person you were created to be that your family needs you to be, that your friends need you to be, that your neighbors and coworkers and classmates need you to be. You can't be that loving person you were created to be apart from Jesus. You can have a pure heart and a clear conscience and still get it wrong. The whole point of Jesus' life was to teach us the truth about love. There are some of who would teach us their own ideas as the truth of God and say, oh, I figured it out over here, and I figured it out over here, and sometimes they're wrong. How do we know the word of God? Also, God adds to that, right? Pure heart, clear conscience. He'll give you, he'll give you advice. You'll, you'll discern it, but also it'll line up with the word of God. And here's the best part. If missing the point is what sent us beneath the waves, then rediscovering the point is what takes us back up to the top. That's the next step we can take in rebuilding faith. If we have found that that has been what has derailed our faith, if it's been that kind of a thing, if it's been either us missing the point or exposure to people who have missed the point that have pushed you away from God, let me encourage you, we need you. Come on back. Rediscover the point of faith. Here it is, ready? You can do good work. You can love well. You can get the point. You can do all those things. We don't have to miss it. We don't have to contribute to the shipwrecks of others. We can be part of rebuilding it. We get to be part of rebuilding it. I want to pray for you. Let's close with a word of prayer. I invite the band to come back up as we just close here. Would you, would you just close your eyes right where you are? I just want to take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we consider what you have said, as, you, as what your word says, Lord, of what these things about what the point of faith is, as we consider this, God, first and foremost, I want to thank you because you are love. God, I want to thank you that you have given us the, the greatest example of what love truly looks like. Greater love has no one that they would lay down their life. God, you laid down your life for us. The whole point of coming to this earth, of Jesus, of sending your son, was an act of love. God, we thank you that you are love. And God, we confess that there perhaps, most likely, have been times throughout our life where we missed the point. We, we got just sidetracked on other things. It was right there in front of us, but God, we just, we thought faith was about something else. Maybe we thought it was about doing the right things or saying the right things or maybe we thought it was 
something else. That somehow there was this other scoreboard that we were supposed to play to. Lord, forgive us for those times that we got it wrong. Forgive us for those times that perhaps we've led others down the wrong path. Lord, the best news is that you are a God of grace. Just because we've messed up or had shortcomings doesn't mean that you abandon us or give up on us. Just because we are shipwrecked on the bottom of the ocean doesn't mean you leave us there. God, you're the God who chases after us and comes after us and continues to pursue us because you want us to know how much you love us. Lord, you want us to know that you love us first and foremost. God, we ask that you would fill us with love through your word. Lord, that you would make us more loving. God, we invite you to make us more loving. Lord, we ask you to start with our heart. Help us be people that live with pure hearts. Check our motives. Lord, I ask that this week as we go through this our days through each week as we go to work go about our day whatever whatever this week has in store for us God would you check our hearts make sure that our motives are pure before you Lord and every day would we spend time just doing inventory getting on our knees saying God check my heart search me know me see if there's any unworthy way in me Lord search my heart make it right Lord we ask that you would Help us live with a clear conscience to do what we know is right. Again, Lord, this isn't about all those grand questions of life where we're not sure, but Lord, in the things we know that we know that we know, would we do it? It's not enough just to know it, God, would we do it? This week I ask that you would help us not to violate our consciences, but to keep them clear so that we can love well. Lord, most of all, as we apply ourselves to learning, Lord, as we, Lord, as we apply ourselves to you, Lord, if, if we haven't yet adopted that habit, made the decision to daily interact with your word, to read it, to allow it to guide us, to speak to us. Lord, this week, would that be our action step? To get in your word, to start a Bible reading plan. It could be two minutes. It could be something so small. But may we begin to interact with your word because we need genuine faith. We can't do this just with our heart and with our, with our mind. We need you to speak into it. Lord, we ask you to fill us with love. God, we believe that we are created to do good works. You have created us to love. To love others well. Lord, that the kind of love that will shine the brightest light that will bring the most glory to the God who is love. Lord, help us lead those who are far from you back to you. Let our love just lead the way this week. Let the purpose of all of this be that we become more and more loving every day. We welcome you to do that inside us. We need it, God those who perhaps feel like our faith is on the bottom of the ocean, God, would you just begin to let us feel movement as you lift us back up, to lift us back up step by step, day by day, 
Fill us with hope, with that confident hope to know. As we build our life on you, you will be that firm foundation. You will not fail us. I thank you. You are so good. In your name we pray. Amen.